Welcome to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series Podcast. Each week, we'll learn from leaders who are driving change and making an impact. Now here's your host, the CEO of the Youngstown Publishing Company, Jeff Leo Herman. Senator Rob Portman, thank you for joining us today on the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Podcast. Certainly appreciate your time. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be on with you. I know you're quite busy, so we will jump right in. Did you ever think as a child you would be sitting in the seat you're in today as a senator or U.S. senator? No, <laughs> although I do remember driving around with my mom uh, early in my life. I don't know, maybe seven or eight years old, and there were a bunch of potholes uh, on the road. And I said to her, which she later reminded me, someday I want to fix those potholes. <laughs> so the frustration is, as a senator, you can't fix potholes. So I, I have managed uh, you know, to get a job in public service where I couldn't do the one thing I wanted to do as a kid. Uh, but seriously, I'm working on infrastructure legislation this morning, as an example, I'm the Republican lead on a bipartisan group of us, kind of a rogue group where we're trying to, uh, you know, understanding that Republican and Democratic leadership are not focused on, on this issue in terms of making it bipartisan. We're doing our own thing and building out from the middle. And we will cover a lot of potholes if we get this done because it'll be an historic investment in infrastructure. So maybe I'll fill potholes indirectly, but no, I didn't, I didn't grow up thinking I wanted to be, you know, a, a politician. Some people say I grew up wanting to be president. That's not me. Um, in fact, I think some of my uh, college professors would, uh, would wonder about uh, how I ever got here, uh, particularly the microeconomics professor who gave me a C uh, in uh, microeconomics, but- Too much calculus, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. The but, second uh, derivative, forget about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that. That wasn't my thing. But anyway, I, I got into public service because when I graduated from uh, college, actually during college, I interned for my member of Congress and uh, really thought, wow, oh, this is interesting. I didn't know whether I was Republican, Independent, Democrat, you know, Libertarian, whatever. And uh, I was a sophomore in college, and I'd grown up in a small business family, and. Uh, you know, those are kind of my roots, more conservative roots, but I wasn't political at all, but I really liked what this person did, which was he took all this input from all over the district. This was in Southwest Ohio and then came up with a decision that made sense for the entire community and, and was able to help people. And I thought, this is a really cool job. And uh, 16 years later, I succeeded him in, in Congress. Fantastic. It, was there, was there a, a, a specific leader as a child? And we're, we're kind of taking you back to your, you know, I believe you uh, your family business in warehousing and industrial areas. Uh, as a child, was there someone you aspired to? Was it a political, an elected official, a business leader, a community leader? Someone in particular that inspired you? Well, it was my dad. I mean, uh, and my mom. They're both awesome uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, my, my dad was a veteran, World War II veteran, who uh, decided after working for somebody else until he was like 40 years old, he was going to start his own thing. And he took a big risk. He lost his health care and all the, you know, security, uh, pension, that sort of stuff. And, and it just went out on his own. And he had five people in the business. My mom was the bookkeeper and uh, lost money the first few years. And so I watched him struggle, but also watched him find his niche. And, you know, his leadership style was, was uh, to empower people and to help lift people up. He, he sold forklift trucks. Uh, so it was a dealership for forklift trucks and other material handling equipment, but it was never about that for him. I remember asking him, you know, when I was a teenager, dad, why do you love lift trucks so much? And he said, actually, I don't. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I was able to get this dealership and sell these products, but 
to me, it's all about people. And it's about watching people grow and develop and, and taking someone, uh, teaching them, you know, how to be a, a lift truck mechanic or how to be a salesperson and, and, and watching them succeed in life and then helping to empower them, uh, you know, to, to be better. And I thought that was interesting. You know, it wasn't about the product. It, it was about the people. And, and that's what, uh, the reason he was kind of my model and, and, you know, he treated everybody with respect also. Uh, so that was what uh, I grew up with. So that elevation effectively, right? Lift, uh, elevation and empowerment exactly. is a key theme in yeah. your life. Uh, material handling. I mean, That's that, you know, unless things move around, right? Transportation and logistics, uh, getting things from yeah. A to B, uh, our economy does not function. So now does that, what, what have you in your leadership style today? Like how would you, what type of leader would you consider yourself? Do you have a classification for it? Well, I, again, I try to empower people. So I, I try to, when someone comes to me and says, um, you know, what do you think about this? What should we do here? I say, well, what, what do you think? You know, and, and uh, I just had a conversation with my comms team a minute ago about being proactive, you know, and, and, and challenging me and uh, not waiting for me to challenge them. And so, you know, I am, uh, as a senator, leading this team of about 40, 45 people, uh, and then a larger group of uh, people on the committee. And then also, you know, my colleagues, I'm, I'm the Republican leader again in this group of 20 that are putting together this infrastructure plan. But I think some people try to overlead. And um, mm -hmm. at least that's not my style. It's, it's a more laid back style where you, you try to lead by example and you try to work harder than anybody else. And you don't want to ask someone to do something you wouldn't do and treat everybody with respect and empower others to take responsibility. And by doing so, uh, you can accomplish so much more in, in my view, and at least you know, in our little team and, and the work that I've done uh, in the private sector, it seems to me that those are the most effective leaders. Right. Where does accountability come to play? Because uh, we, that's a, you know, we hear that quite a bit, uh, basically more laid back, uh, encouraging, supportive, you know, we've heard the term servant leader quite a bit, but uh, how do you implement an accountability culture if that comes to play? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one of my, my pet peeves in life. Uh, you may have heard recently at a hearing where I uh, accused the federal government of having so many people in charge that nobody's in charge in the context of right. cyber attacks on our country. And uh, I believe that strongly. Uh, I believe people have to be accountable. So in my office, often I will be suggested, well, these three people are gonna be in charge of this issue. And my answer always is no, who's in charge? Uh, well, these three is no, one person's in charge and one person's accountable. And I think that's really important. There may be exceptions to that rule in a large organization, but I think even in our massive federal government, when I was the Office of Management and Budget Director, which is a job, OMB job, it's a cabinet level job where in theory, you're responsible for oversight of the entire federal government. Uh, it was even in that huge number of employees, I felt like somebody needed to be accountable. And uh, I mentioned the, the issue of cybersecurity because that right now is a huge problem in our country where you have these ransomware attacks and, and cyber attacks in general. And the government uh, uh, has so many people involved in that that sometimes you get this, you know, fingers mm -hmm. pointed at someone else. Well, that was the National Security Council or that was OMB or, or that was Department of Homeland Securities or now we have a new position. We just confirmed somebody for uh, at the committee level uh, to be the, the new director of cybersecurity in essence. And where does that person fit in? And, and 
again, it's got to be about accountability uh, so that you align the responsibility and the accountability. And I think that's an important leadership trait as well. Right. Uh, important uh, from, you know, large enterprise government to small businesses, right? Accountability is Absolutely. key. And, and it's Absolutely. often our audience, small businesses, the entrepreneur, the owner has a passion for their business. They lead through their passion and through, because it's their life, it's their baby. But um, to pass down accountability and to pass down, you know, that, you know, how can they scale unless they truly have hold other people accountable to completing the mission? Yeah. And I think, you know, if it's done properly, uh, people, uh, take it as a challenge and they, they like to be held accountable, <laughs> assuming you're fair in terms of your measurement of what their success is. In other words, if you are setting someone up to fail, um, you know, it, it, will, it will have a demoralizing effect on the entire organization. But if you are setting people up to succeed by giving them accountability at a time in their career where they can handle it, you get a certain amount of fulfillment from, from that and the dignity that comes with that and self-respect that comes, comes with that, I think is an important part of leadership as, as well. So I think being clear about what the lines are and uh, allowing people to stretch, but to ultimately succeed really builds a, builds a team. And, and that's what I, I try to do. The other issue you mentioned is passion. Um, you know, I think you have to show that there's a bigger cause, whether it's selling mm -hmm. forklift trucks and doing it in a way that's providing the best service of any dealership in the, in the country, which was my father's approach. Uh, his, he had a motto, uh, which was about, you know, providing the best service and the best product. So total reliability in people and product was his, was his saying. And uh, that's a passion and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's an important passion in government. It's a little more of a, uh, a passion about about our country and our patriotism and and who we can be as a as a as a country and and that's important too and whether you're a president or whether you're an average citizen uh, in in our country you want to have that passion for our country and our success and I think that in whatever line of work you're in government or business having that sense of passion and trying to make people feel like they're part of something bigger uh, which we all are is important as well. Absolutely. So that's great advice for our emerging leaders in the audience here, those that are in high school and college and looking at their career paths. Any advice on how to have them accept accountability and, and things that they can do to maybe own smaller pieces of a larger project? What, what would you advise them to do? Yeah, I mean, sometimes um, the millennial generation is given a bum, bum rap, you know, that they aren't interested in uh, accountability as much or even working hard. And um, I frankly don't find that. I mean, I, I do think there's a little different attitude about uh, things like teleworking or uh, taking time off. Uh, and, you know, maybe the work ethic is a little different. But I, I, I think, frankly, that uh, those young people that, that I work with who come through my office, we, we have a lot of interns that come through every year. I just had our uh, breakfast yesterday with our internship class. Finally, we got interns back. I'm so glad we're beyond uh, the worst of the COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think accountability is something that they actually uh, look forward to because they want to be responsible for something. Again, as long as they're not set up to fail, they have to have the skill set and the, the knowledge and the, you know, the help to be able to be successful. But uh, I find that young people prefer to know that, you know, they have a piece of the pie. You know, it's it may not be the biggest piece, but it's an important piece. Every, you know, part of our 
uh, little office that we have here is critical. I, I often, at our staff retreats and so on, talk about the people who answer the phones. And a lot of those people are young people. Some are interns, in fact. And we get a lot of phone calls. <laughs> we also get a lot of emails and, and, and some letters still. But I'd say that's the most important job in the office. So we have much more senior people. We have a relatively senior staff, actually, with regard to our legislative front. We do a lot of legislating. We're very active in that. And that may be what we're known for uh, by others. But really, the constituent service and the frontline people, these young people, uh, I want to hold them up. Uh, partly because that's our first job is to represent people and to do so effectively, but partly because they're tough jobs and you want to be sure they understand that their job is really important. I walked into the Capitol yesterday and uh, I, I had a, a person with me and I went through the security line and, uh, um, you know, they were, the officer kindly said, you know, let's get you through Senator. And I said, uh, listen, I, I appreciate the job that you do and kind of saying, you know, I'll, I'll go through the security like everybody else. He said, well, you have a more important job than I do. So we got to get you through here. I said, no, I actually don't. Uh, I said, you, right. you have a more important job. And that uh, I'm, I'm getting choked up here, but that, that attitude of saying, you know, everybody matters and the police officer that's there at the Capitol, you know, protecting us, and having to put up with a lot of <laughs> a lot of people don't want to go through the security line or don't want to you know uh, hassle with the uh, uh, the new requirements that are in place. Uh, that's a tough job and a really important job. And for that officer to say to me, "You have a more important job," you know, I want to make sure that he also understands. In this case, it was a guy that that his job is really important too, and right. in some respects, much more important. Right. You couldn't do your job without him doing his job. Absolutely. And so, you know, everyone, everyone is a critical input in this process. The Brain Gain is a collaborative effort, and we'd like to thank our headlining sponsors, including Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition, and Southwoods Health. Also included are Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Moransky Companies, the Mahoning County Career and Technical Center, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, Youngstown State University, and Junior Achievement of the Mahoning Valley. I switch gears here quickly. I appreciate you sharing that sentiment um, around the importance of everyone really just collaborating and working together. I'm going to zoom in to the Mahoning Valley, which is now known yeah. as Voltage Valley. So I don't know yeah. if you've thrown around the term Voltage Valley or not, but we throw it around quite a bit up here. I've been They're guilty of doing that into, now and again. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. even use it in Detroit to refer to us. So that's good. I think the branding is working. But um, from your perspective at the federal and state level here to Mahoning Valley, Voltage Valley, what do you see our region needs from a leadership standpoint? Like, do you have an outlook on our, on our future? Any perspective there? Well, yeah, I think we, we have to have a vision for what the combination of uh, the LG GM joint venture on batteries, uh, plus all the suppliers that are starting to come to the Valley, uh, partly to support that. Um, and also what's going on at Lordstown Motors, uh, which is both exciting and discouraging depending on the day. Um, and 
but we have to have a realistic ver- uh, vision too. And, you know, we, we shouldn't be overpromising uh, mm-hmm. the workers of the Mahoning Valley in terms of what can come out of this. Uh, I focus a lot on LG uh, GM because these are jobs that are already being created. And I think that they have a track because we need battery technologies that they have so badly in this country uh, to be able to be quite successful and even double the workforce in the next five or six years. Uh, so I think that's part of the vision here. I did a call this morning with the Youngstown Chamber, and they did a virtual call, and I think about 50 or so business leaders were on the call. I'm sure you guys were there covering it. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this issue of how to get the next, uh, what we call raise grant. It used to be called the build grant. Also, some are called the infra grant, but it's basically a grant for infrastructure development. And it's to try to help make the valley uh, more of a voltage valley by creating smart technology, uh, even to the point of having uh, you know, faster broadband laid uh, throughout not just the, uh, the Lordstown area, but broader in the, in, in the valley and eventually having automated vehicles be able to travel on certain, certain roads because of that technology. So you got to be thinking about the future and where it's headed. I do not think we should put all of our eggs in one basket, by the way, uh, in right. terms of electric vehicles. I think electric vehicles are part of the future. General Motors in particular has made a huge commitment to it, saying they'll be all electric by 2035. We'll see. I mean, I, I think electric vehicles have a great future. I drive a hybrid pickup truck. Uh, it's my third hybrid, by the way. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm for that technology. I wish the electric pickup were already there. I, I'd buy one. Right. But it may be hydrogen. Uh, it may be some fuel cell technology we haven't even quite figured out yet. Um, and I think we have to keep our options open in our region to make sure that, you know, we're continuing to focus on all the small businesses that you talked about earlier and, and the mid-sized businesses and the bigger steel companies and so on. So we're, you know, we're, we're encouraging everything, including more traditional manufacturing because we don't know quite where, where the future is going to be. We certainly would not have predicted <laughs> that we'd be where we are right now. Um, right. And uh, so I think the Valley's got a lot of potential, but uh, let's not put all of our eggs in one basket. Let's continue to encourage everyone, including, you know, there's a, there's a new uh, warehousing and distribution uh, sector that's growing in our area. Uh, there's a lot of coming out of YSU that is really exciting in terms of training. And uh, Eastgate Community College, we talked this morning about some of the work that they're doing uh, in terms of retraining workers who are coming out of the pandemic and thinking, you know, I'd like to get a little better job. So there's a lot of great stuff going on. Right. So um, transportation and logistics, say the infrastructure work you're, you're doing today, uh, one of our key competitive advantages here is our transportation and logistics and smart technology capabilities. So do you think you see support for our initiatives going forward? Yeah, I think this, uh, there's a new, we achieved the, the grant a couple of years ago. It was called a build grant for the Youngstown area. It was kind of a connector. You know, we brought together the business community, uh, the hospital, by the way, is kind of at one end of it, and YSU, and it'll be great for, for Youngstown. This next one is more about smart technology, and uh, we're kind of a gateway to Appalachia, too, so I think there's a lot of reasons for us to have a, a strong application here. Last time, I think we applied three times. Third time was a charm. We kept refining the application, and we provided whatever input we could to the local community, including uh, Youngstown Warren Chamber and uh, Eastgate, which helped to pull together a better application every year for three years. And finally, we were able to, you know, convince DOT, the Department of Transportation, that, that we were 
uh, for real, that we really had a, had, a, had a vision and a plan that was going to create a lot of employment and, and help to uh, deal with some of the long-term challenges we've had in the, in the Valley since, uh, you know, the kind of the, a lot of the industries moved out, steel industries and so on, and, uh, and a lot of the employment shifted because back in the day, manufacturing needed a lot more employers, um, a lot more people, a lot more employees than, than it does today. And by the way, one of the huge challenges right now is getting enough workers to fill the jobs that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have jobs open right now, not just um, in the Mahoney Valley, but nationally. In fact, there are more than yeah. 9 million jobs right now open, which is historic. We've never had this many job openings in America. Uh, let's be sure that we're providing the training and the incentive to fill those jobs. Training and incentives, correct. So uh, to reflect on, say, do you, is there a leadership quote or something you reflect on, say those tough days where you're getting kind of beaten up? Um, <laughs> do, you, do you pause and have anything that you continue to remind yourself of? Well, I guess two. One would be Winston Churchill. You know, I, I have a poster, you know, never, never, never <laughs> give up, you know, just <laughs> never give up. Um, there's a story uh, my, my grandfather was an innkeeper for 50 years in a little town called Lebanon, Ohio. That restaurant and hotel is still in our family. I'm still very involved with it. But uh, there were a couple of guys who were there from England who were visiting. And this was back in 1939. And uh, my grandfather is my namesake and one of my true heroes. But uh, they had these English dueling pistols. And they said, I'm gonna, we're going to give you these pistols. And if you agree to put them up over the fireplace over the mantle of, the, of your hotel here, because we think the English empire is gone. You know, this is a time when the Nazis were bombing London and everyone had just given up on them. And uh, my grandfather said, sure. So he stuck them up here. They're still there today. So if you go to the Golden Lamb in Lebanon, Ohio, you'll see these dueling pistols. Nobody knows why the heck they're there because uh, the story hasn't gotten out, but that's the truth. But here's, here's what happened. These two English guys did not anticipate the leadership of Winston Churchill. And that's the story of one person saying, you know what, I'm going to rally a nation, rally the free world, and we're going to turn this thing around. And he did. So this was the same grandfather who taught me my saying that my staff really gets sick of me talking about and my kids hate when I, uh, not hate, but they get tired of me probably putting in, in a lot of my texts and emails at the end, which is, be cat, be ever kind and true. That was his saying. He used to write notes to me and Danny always would be ever kind and true. So being kind to people, being honest with people, uh, to me, leadership, you know, boils down to that, you know, is uh, ultimately it's about showing respect for others, being honest with people and uh, just following those, that, that guideline, you can make a lot of progress in life. Sounds good. Well, Senator Portman, that's a great place to conclude our conversation. We certainly do appreciate your time today on the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be on with you. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today, because together we're building a culture of entrepreneurship and promoting workforce development. So if you like what you heard, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Your feedback is very important to us. We want to make the show better all the time. And if you would like to give me direct feedback, email me, please. My email is j. H-E-R-R-M-A-N-N -R -R -N -N at business-journal.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. 
And lastly, would love to thank the members of the Brain Gain Coalition. Those headline collaborators include Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoney Valley Manufacturers Coalition, and Southwoods Health. And joining them are members of the coalition, including Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Moransky Companies, MCCTC, the Mahoney County Career and Technical Center, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, Youngstown State University, and Junior Achievement of Mahoning Valley. Without them, none of this would be possible. So thanks again for joining us today. And remember, together we are building a culture of entrepreneurship and promoting workforce development.